coming today's class has been dedicated has been dedicated so let's see nice few dedications tonight <coughs> um, the shear was dedicated uh, by the Smolyansky family not to share the CD this week by the Smolyansky family this is in honor of a grandmother's yard site Esther Bass Naftali, may her neshama have a very great aliyah to the greatest of heights and channel lots and lots and lots of wonderful, good, revealed blessings to the Smolyansky family. Also in honor of a whole bunch of beautiful birthdays of the children. Esti and Miriam and Naomi all have their birthdays in Chodesh Adar. Coming up around this week, next week. Uh, next week is already, already Chodesh Nisan. No, next week is still Chodesh Adar. I'm confused. Whatever it is. Um, may Hashem bless them with much, much, much wonderful, wonderful uh, blessings and a shnas bracha A very, very, very special year of great growth and fulfillment and much, much, much nachas. Wonderful Yiddish nachas. Thank you so much for that dedication. Another dedication was on the CD this week by David. Um, and this was, let me see. This is Lazecha Nishmas. Gedalia Baruch Ben Velvel Halevi Olav Shalom Kaufman. On the 24th, it's going to be this coming Sunday, 24th of Ador. And in honor, and may Nishama have a very great aliyah to the greatest of heights. And lots and lots of lots of brachas being channeled down uh, to all of the Kaufman family and all the only, only bracha for Parnasa Brachava. And only, only the best of the best of the best, in Betoyvanir of the revealed good, and also in honor of Ari Kaufman's birthday, which is on the twenty-fifth of Adar. That's next week, Monday. May he have a shnas bracha and a wonderful, wonderful, successful year of great prosperity and light, and only, only good, good, wonderful things. Another dedication this week. This is on the shear, and this was in honor of Josette. This is by Josette Flicker. And this was in honor of, what did they do with this? I was supposed to write this down. So I'm going to take me one second. Uh, in honor of her mother and her father. It's both the yard sites. Just give me one second so that I can pull it up. Um, okay. So, in honor of her mother's, a father's yard site. A father's name is Elio Ben Yaakov. And her mother's yard site is Flora Sara Bas Avram, Allah Hashalom and Allah Hashalom. 
May their neshamas have a tremendous great aliyah to the greatest of heights, higher and higher and higher. And may they channel much, much, much blessings to you and your children for much bracha, mazel, good health, and a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of material and spiritual blessings. A lot of our chava, only, only good things. The yard sites are both on the 18th and on the 28th of Adar. Thanks for that dedication. Another dedication was by um, uh, Basi Mishulavin, who is getting married this week, tomorrow night, Be'ezus Hashem, in New York. Big, big, big mazel tov. Basi always comes here to shul. She's been a student of mine, and a very, 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 very special, special, special young lady. May Hashem bench her and her wonderful, wonderful new chassan to be able to build a home, a binyan adayad, a binyan adayad for great, great, and great, a home full of simcha, full of joy, and full of baracha, and parnasa bahar chava, and only wonderful good things, a home where the Shekhinah can rest. May they have a binyan adayad and uh, many, many healthy, healthy, wonderful, beautiful kindalach and eventually grandchildren forever, for generations and generations. Thank you so much, Basi, for this wonderful dedication. Big, 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 mazel tov and mazel tov and mazel tov. As I came here ready to pick up the shear, I stopped into the mailbox for a moment and I received an envelope. And it's an anonymous, an anonymous left a beautiful dedication. He doesn't say who he is, so I don't know. Um, he just says that he has a son who has just turned six when? Uh, two days ago. And he goes to school, but he goes for whatever reason, not to a Jewish school. He's the only Jewish kid in his class. And uh, Hashem should bench him. He goes and he wears, even though he's the only kid, he wears a yarmulke and he sits as proudly, this little six-year-old boy. And... Uh, he feels so proud that he's Jewish and the father is asking for a special, special bracha or mother, I don't know who's sending this, that he should grow up to be a chassid, Yerushamayim, and a lamdin. I bless him with all my heart and the heart of all the Jewish people that this wonderful Jewish boy should grow up to be a tremendous pride to his family and be a real, real, real lichtige Yiddishe, wonderful, special Yiddishe yingle, and eventually a, 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 a Jewish young man a lot of light and a lot of bracha. Thank you. This is a very, very special dedication. Okay. Thank you all. Um, just before we begin, I'd like to remind everybody of, a, of our uh, ongoing Sunday course, which is really special. I know you know that I get excited when I give classes, but you should see me on Sunday. Sunday, it's like over the top. Sunday morning, I'm giving my Mashiach classes, and my heart and soul is in Mashiach. Everything else is wonderful and good, but my heart and soul is in Moshiach. So those classes are really, 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 really special. Oh, here it is. <laughs> my secretary wrote it on the back side of the paper, all the other dedications. Okay. The chassan, by the way, I didn't mention the chassan of Basi. His name is Menachem Cohen. So Hashem should bench him also tomorrow night for his wedding. That's Hashem. Much, much wonderful, wonderful, good things. All right. Tonight is Parshas. This week is a double Torah portion. The portion is portion of a yakel and pekude, <coughs> and we also have Shabbos Chazak because we're finishing the sefer of Shemos, which is the sefer of redemption. So we have all the power of the redemption. 
this week's Shabbos. Chazak also means the power, strength. Unbelievable Shabbos. It's also Shabbos, Pasha's Para. It's a really, 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 really great Shabbos. And also Shabbos Mevorchem Chaydesh Nisan. Which we bless the month of Nisan, which is the month of the redemption. So we're really, really, really powerful time. So it requires a very powerful shear. So hopefully with God's help, this, uh, will, this will suffice, or at least be a little bit of an introduction to the power of, of where we're coming at. Um, Pasha's Vayakal Pekude deals with <coughs> the building of the Mishkan, the construction of the Mishkan. And we know that the Mishkan was the ultimate dream for why the world was created. God wanted a dwelling place in this world. And the Jewish people went out of Egypt, we, and we finally were able to fulfill that which was Hashem wanted more than anything else, to be able to live within the physical world and express Himself in the physical world. We built a physical home for Him. However, the Mishkan was only a temporary residence for God. It was a temporary residence. It wasn't the a permanent residence of Hashem. The permanent residence of Hashem only came many years later when Yerushalayim was built and the third base, I'm, I'm sorry, and the Shlomo HaMelech built the first, the first temple. So the base Migdash is considered Jer- Jerusalem. Yerushalayim is the permanent residence of God in this world. So interesting, when we take a look, there's a puzzle in the Navi. A pasuk in Malachim. And the verse says as follows. When Shloim HaMelech is finally completed the building of the first base on English, and the happiest day in the world, at least until the day Mashiach comes, when we finally had a, a, a Hashem had a home, not a mobile home, not a tent, not a semi home, which was the Mishkan Shiloh, partial home, partial tent. But the Abishter had actually, God had a piece of real estate in which he can call his home. So Shlomo HaMelech <coughs> says a prayer. And he says, this is a Malachim Aleph, Perek Ches, you can look it up. He says, Baruch Hashem Alekei Yisrael, blessed is God, the God of Israel, that spoke with his mouth, as David Avi to David my father. And in his hands, he fulfilled saying as so. This is what he said. From the day that I took out my people Israel from Egypt, I did not select a city from all the tribes of Israel. I did not select a city. To build for myself a home. That my name, which is the Shekhinah, can rest over there. God says, from the day I took the people out of Egypt, I didn't select for myself any city, any place, which I'm going to say, that's my home. I brought you to the land of Israel. I let you settle. I gave you all a place. But for myself, I didn't, pick, I didn't choose a place. But then, Then I chose David. I chose, selected David HaMelech to be the leader, the king over the Jewish people. Now if you read this Pasuk, the Pasuk seems very inconsistent. What did we just say? God says, from the day I took out the Jewish people from Egypt, from, from Egypt I haven't selected for myself a home. We were wandering, we went here and there, but I haven't chosen a home. But what? But now, I did. 
And I chose King David. So, is, is King, is David HaMelech a place? David HaMelech is not a place. David HaMelech is a person. Is David HaMelech a home? David HaMelech is not a home. David HaMelech is a person. So the beginning and the end just don't go together. It should have said, I haven't chosen a place, but now I've chosen Yerushalayim. So the Mepharshim asked that question. The Radak asks the question. The Maulbim asks the question. I'm going to read to you what the Radak says. The Radak says, Lama shehigdim. In the beginning he says, Loi bacharki bi'ir, I didn't choose a city. He should have concluded the Ethar, but now I did make my selection. Bi'irushalayim, Yerushalayim. Elo pirish, what does it mean? I didn't notify my choice in Jerusalem until I chose David HaMelech. In other words, like this. True. What God chose, the, the main point over here is that Hashem has not selected a place. God did not choose for Himself a home. And what did He, until when? Now He did. And what did He choose? He chose Jerusalem. He chose Yerushalayim. But... He didn't notify, no one knew what the place that Hashem chose until Hashem chose David HaMelech. And through David HaMelech, He revealed where is the place that He has chosen for a home. He needed a special person to be able to convey that special secret, which is actually God's home in this world. So it's David HaMelech. So when the Pasuk says, I chose David, comes out according to this, David is the medium through which Hashem reveals where the place that He has chosen. That's the Redak's Pirush. There's a little problem with the, the way the Redak is explaining this. Reb David Kimchi, the great commentator on the Navi. The problem is that, um, according to this, the choosing of David is not really about David at all. The choosing of David is only, he's choosing David to reveal which, which is the place. But the Pasuk seems to be saying, I, I didn't choose, but now I made my selection. And what did I choose? I chose King David. As if saying that David HaMelech is the, the entity of Hashem's choice, not just a means to an end, as David HaMelech is being chosen to reveal to us which place. That's what, it, to see it even stronger the same tefillah or the same statement that Shloimeh HaMelech made is also recounted and narrated in another book of the Tanakh, in Sefer Divrei Hayamim. In the book of Divrei Hayamim it says, here, Vayivchoir, here. No, not here. Here it is. David says, but here it says slightly different. Look, look, listen to the words. What was said in Malachim, in Kings, Bekitzer, in a very, very short way, is more elaborated in, in over here Malachim. From the day that I took out my nation from the land of Mitzrayim, I did not choose in the city, Mikol Shifte Yisrael from all the Shvatim, Livnois Bayis, to build for me a house, Leo Shmi Sham, for my name to be there. But then, look, this, this is what it doesn't say in the first Pasuk. I also did not choose a man, to be the leader, Nagid means the leader, the nobleman of the Jewish people. So two things. From when the Jewish people went out of Egypt, I didn't choose a place, and I didn't choose a king. 
a leader. Now what? But now what happened? I'm choosing, and I chose Yerushalayim for my name to be there. The Efchar David, and I've also chosen David So clearly, in the pop sukim and divrei hayamim, where the same thing is emphasized, you see that the choosing of David is not just matter of factly. Just, we needed David HaMelech, so that we, a human being who can tell us, he's the one who can receive the prophecy from God, and he's the one who's going to tell us where God has chosen. No, but there is an emphasis on a choice. That what? Hashem chose Yerushalayim, and Hashem chose King David. Hashem chose David HaMelech. Two choices. A choice in Yerushalayim, and a choice in David HaMelech. What do we, but what do we see from Malachim? What do we see from kings that we don't see in Divrei Hayamim? That it's not two separate choices. It's not two separate things. But these two are integrally unified. They're integrally one. Because you see from Malachim, since it says, I haven't chosen a city, but now I chose David. As we said earlier, the, the verse doesn't make any sense unless you say choosing David is inherently one with choosing Jerusalem. So we need to understand what's this idea? What, what, why can't the Abish to choose Yerushalayim? Why can't Hashem choose Jerusalem without the choosing of David Melech? What's this idea that the choice of David Melech is inherently essential for the choice of Yerushalayim? Bichlal, in general, we take a look in Navi all over. We see that David and Yerushalayim are like absolutely unified. To the point, we know Yerushalayim is called the Ear David. It's the city of David HaMelech. But let me quote to you other psukim when you see this. Further in Malachim and Kings, Aleph, Yud Aleph, Pasuk Yud Gimel, and Perik Yud Aleph, Pasuk Yud Gimel. It says, Rak es kol ekra. Hashem says, I will never tear away the entire kingdom from you. That's when he's giving him a notification that the kingdom of David HaMelech, Malchus based David, is going to break up. And there's going to be a breakaway. The kingdom of the ten tribes, they broke away. He said, I'm going to give you only one tribe that's going to remain yours. But why is Hashem not pulling it away completely? For the sake of David, my servant. For the sake of David, my servant, in Yerushalayim that I have chosen. See how the Pasuk takes both of them together? For the sake of David and for the sake of Yerushalayim. Again, in the end over here, in Malachim Beis, Veganoisi ala irazois, I will protect, I will shield the city, Lohishia to help her, to always protect her, and always watch over Yerushalayim, Lamani, for my sake, Ulaman David Avdi, and for the sake of David, my servant. What, what, what is Hashem going to protect? Yerushalayim. Why? For the sake of David. David and Yerushalayim, Two of them are, are linked together with an absolute bond. Rambam also tells us, interesting, Rambam says when we bench, Rambam says that when we say the third blessing of be- be- benching, Rachem Hashem Elokeinu, we're supposed to conclude, it's all about the building of Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim we conclude, Barachat Hashem, Yerushalayim, that Hashem builds up the ultimate dream of the Jewish people, the, re- the rebuilding of Jerusalem of Yerushalayim, and what do we say? Rambam says that if we don't mention Malchus Beis David, if we don't mention in that bracha the restoration, the rebuilding of the kingdom of David HaMelech, 
then uh, one, I think the Ramam, I'm not clear, but I remember, but I think he says, you don't fulfill your obligation. And the reason for that is because we don't have an achama. We don't have consolation in the rebuilding of Yerushalayim. It's not a complete consolation until we don't have the restoration of Malchus based on it. So you see clearly that the two of them are, are absolutely intertwined one with each other. David HaMelech and Yerushalayim. But we need to understand why is it that if God chose a place, there would, it's almost like that choice in Yerushalayim couldn't come about without David HaMelech. So let's share with you an interesting Zohar in this week's Parsh. Parsh is Vayakil. The Zohar relates a story. Nice story. Rabbi of Rabbi, it's not much of a story, but it's just a. I love when we get the context of where this discussion happened. Rebchia, watch this, was a very, very nice group of people walking together. Rebchia, Rabbi Yitzchak, Rebbe Yaisi. Have a Ozla Ba'orcha. These three were walking on the road. Be nice to meet them on the road. And I have a Ozla Pagabu, Rabbi Abba. Rabbi Abba came across them. So now you have Rebchia, Rabbi Yitzchak, Rebbe Yaisi, and Rabbi Abba. Amar Rebchia, so Rebchia says, wow, this is a nice little. Vadi Shchinta Bahadon. Definitely the Shechina is now amongst us. When they finally meet, when Rabbi Abba finally reached them, okay, you got these three sages, great mystics, and Rabbi Abba finally comes to them. Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Abba asks the question, this Pasuk in Malachim, from the day that I took the Jewish people out of Egypt, I didn't choose any city, he brings the whole verse. And he asked the question, Hi, The beginning of the verse and the end of the verse don't go together. Why? In the beginning it says, I didn't choose a city. But what? But, and then it says, I chose David. So you, doesn't make any, I didn't choose a city, but now I chose David. It simply doesn't make any sense, the Zayar says. My high am high. What does one have to do with the other? He's not saying, I didn't choose a king, but now I chose David. I didn't choose a city, but now I chose David. He should have said, I chose Yerushalayim. So, so in other words, he shouldn't say, I chose David. I chose Yerushalayim. So the Zohar answers like this. When God has a desire to build up a city. When God wants to build himself a city, a capital, a city for himself. Hashem looks around and looks for, for the leader. You need someone who is going to lead the residents of this city. The residents of this city need to be led by a leader. Why? Once he has chosen, he has a leader. Once he has a leader. Who's going to lead the residents? He's going to be the who's going to be the the, uh, the appointee over all the residents of that city. Then he can. Then what does he do? Then he can build the city, and bring the people into the city with their leader. How do dechsev? That's what it means. I didn't choose a city. Why didn't I choose a city? Because I don't have a good leader. Now, why is it so important to have a good leader? We're going to get to that in a minute. Until Hashem looked and he saw David, David he's going to be the shepherd of Israel. But when you're shepherd of the Jewish people, begin the, and the Gazar gives an interesting reason. Because the city and the residents of the city are all dependent on 
the governor, the president, the ruler of that, of that community, the one who runs that city. Iraya ihutav. If the leader, if the shepherd is a good person, tav lay, tav lamasa, tav laama. It's good for him, it's good for the city, and it's good for the people. It's all dependent on the leader. You have a good leader, good for, the, good for him, good for the city, good for the people. But if the leader, if the, if the, if the shepherd is, 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 is bad, he's a bad person, they lay, woe is to him, they lamasa, woe is to the city, they laama, woe, woe is to the people, to the residents of the city. Therefore now Hashem looked in the world, and he didn't find the leader that he needs, Finally, when David HaMelech was born and he had King David, he says, oh, now I have a leader. So now the city is going to be the way a city should be. Because we have David HaMelech who's going to lead the city. It's fine. So the Zohar seems to say that the reason why David was necessary over here is not intrinsically in order to choose Yerushalayim. Hashem could have chose Yerushalayim without David HaMelech. Problem is that Jerusalem that's going to be chosen to be the home of God, to be the ultimate capital of holiness in the world. If it's not going to have a good caretaker, it's going to get messed up. You can have a corrupt ruler; it's going to mess up the people, and the people are going to become corrupted. The city is going to become corrupted, and then what do I have from having that city? So, in order that this shouldn't happen, Hashem was waiting for a good ruler. Now that He asked King David, but it comes out according to this that. The choice in Yerushalayim then, I'm sorry, the choice in Yerushalayim could have technically, essentially be done without David. It's only for the preservation, in order to preserve its holiness, to preserve its uniqueness and its light, we need a good leader. If that's the case, if this is what the Zohar would really mean, this is how you're reading the Zohar in the simple meaning. If this is what the real meaning is, I just need a good caretaker, then essentially why did Hashem have to wait until he found David HaMelech, until he chose David, and then he can choose Yerushalayim. Technically, hypothetically, he could have chosen Jerusalem, and afterwards found a good leader to lead it. The fact that Hashem needed to wait to choose Yerushalayim until he had David HaMelech implies, and it shows and it indicates that no, it's not just that David is needed for a technical element to preserve, to preserve the dignity and the holiness of Jerusalem and the specialty of Jerusalem. Not just for that. But God, in a sense, can't choose Yerushalayim until he has David HaMelech. There would be something lacking in the choosing of Jerusalem itself without his choice in David. So let's understand why and what's going on. This is all very important. Because today, the most hottest topic that's really there at the core of everything in all of the world is the subject of Yerushalayim. I don't know what's happening with Trump and Netanyahu in the White House. But there were all kinds of things floating around about the city of Jerusalem. We're going to make certain concessions. and Yeah, Jerusalem is off the table, but we're going to make certain concessions. And so. Let's see if what the Torah has to say about that. And uh, where that's going to end up. Where that's going to end up. All those plans and all those schemes. Let's see where, what's the possible outcome of this? Where this is going to end up. The bottom line is we're going to see soon. When it comes to Jerusalem, we can only say one thing. 
hands off. Don't you dare mess with this city. Just hands off. You don't want to mess with Jerusalem. Yerushalayim is God's. But to understand that and appreciate that, let's get a better understanding about the uniqueness of Yerushalayim. Rambam, in his Pirush on Mishnah, Rambam wrote, a, I mean, in addition to the Mishnah Torah, which the Rambam wrote his book of law, the Rambam also wrote a commentary on Mishnah. In Mesechte Zavachim, Tractate Zavachim, Rambam speaks about the city of Yerushalayim. Perek Yudalid, the 14th chapter, which Yudalid is Gematria David. That's just my own fun little thing over here. But Yerushalayim, that's why it makes sense that we talk about Yerushalayim, which is the city of David, in Perek Yudalid. But in any case, in Yerushalayim, in Rambam, I'm sorry, in Mesech Tezvachim, Perek Yudalid, um, Mishnaches, it speaks about the various progression of where we can offer sacrifices. So we know that in certain times it was permitted for everybody to, there was a central place to offer sacrifices, but anybody can really do it in their backyard. You can make your own little, you can make your own little altar, you can make your own little bama, your own little, uh, 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 little, uh, little, you know, or erect a little platform and on top of it build a offer sacrifices. But once, the, there are certain times that it became forbidden. Forbidden, and then it was permitted again, forbidden. But then the Mishnah says like this, once we came to Yerushalayim, and Yerushalayim was selected, Nesru Habamais, the private altars became absolutely forbidden. Rambam says why. Nikra Yerushalayim Nachla. Yerushalayim is called the ultimate inheritance of God. Nachla, it's an inheritance. Why? Lias Kedushasa the Amidasa La'olam. Because Yerushalayim, its holiness and its place, hear this, the holiness of Jerusalem is untouchable. The holiness of Jerusalem stands forever. Va'aleha Omer Hanavi. And about Yerushalayim, the prophet says, V'nachalosoi lo yazoiv. Hashem will never, ever, 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 I can say that forever. Hashem will never, ever, ever forsake His inheritance. That means that place is God's. There's no negotiations with God. No one can negotiate this. Not Trump. He can think he's the biggest negotiator. Not this one, not that one. Not the UN. Not the Jerusalem Council, the one that they made a couple of months, a couple of years ago when they had the 70 nations gathered in Paris to try to figure out the future of Jerusalem. A two-state solution. Go jump in the lake. His inheritance, God will never forsake. Because it says in the beginning, tell me what the Rambam says. I'm not, he doesn't say the words go jump in the lake because then they weren't messing with Jerusalem. They were a little bit, the Crusaders and them at those times too. Why? Because God chose Yerushalayim for his Shekhinah. Hashem chose Yerushalayim to dwell his Shekhinah there. And he chose the Jewish people. It's interesting. Two things. God made his choice on. He chose the Jewish people. We are the chosen people. And Jerusalem is the chosen city. Now let's just look at the world for a moment. There are two things people can't stand. Stand, 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 stand. Nothing. Two things. 
the chosenness of the Jewish people. No one can accept us. We spoke about this a few weeks ago, about the anti-Semitism of Purim, when we spoke about Haman and Achashverosh and the difference of their anti-Semites. A Jew is something that is, is inherently disliked in the world. Why? Because we are the chosen people. People cannot make peace with that. It's something, it's a godly thing. Until Mashiach comes, then things will change. But until that time, there is a certain discomfort in all of humanity with the Jewish people. But God chose another thing. He chose Jerusalem as His capital. That's why we find the same energy, the same irrational decision in, in like the, the absolute uh, firmness in all of nations that Jerusalem has to remain an international place or a divided or whatever kind of thing. It should not belong in Israeli's hands to the Jewish people. But it's interesting. Then he continues. God is going to protect the city. This pe- I'm sorry, this people. Ashabachabai that he has chosen. Where is Hashem going to choose the Jewish people? Where is he going to protect them? In that place, Ashabachabai Gam came. In the place that Hashem has chosen, Hashem will protect the Jewish people in Yerushalayim. Shanama ki bachar Hashem betziyoin. Eva Hashem chose Tziyoin. He chose Zion. He chose Yerushalayim. Eva, this is his home. Ki Yaakov Because God chose Yaakov. He chose Jacob. He chose the Jewish people. God will never forsake His people. And then He brings, this is why it also says in the Pasuk, where Hashem says, This is my resting place. Forever and ever. You hear those words? Forever and ever, this is my place. From, from Rambam's explanation of the uniqueness of Yerushalayim. Why is Yerushalayim eternal and it will never change? Rambam attributes the eternity, the eternal holiness of Yerushalayim. In this, where I'm quoting from you, in this Nusach, in this um, 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 version that I quoted from you right now, the Rambam doesn't particularly emphasize, in the end at least, the Nitzchias of its holiness. But in other versions, which I don't have in front of me right now, he says slight, the words are slightly different, in which he emphasizes that the holiness of Yerushalayim is Nitzchias, is forever and ever. For what purpose? In other words, what's behind God's, what's behind the eternal holiness of Jerusalem? The fact that God chose it. It was the choice that Hashem chose Jerusalem. Hashem made a choice. And being that it's Hashem's choice, that's why it's holy. So now let's get a little bit of a better understanding in this idea. You see, Yerushalayim, we say, is Nitzchias. It's, actually, it's, we say in Davening, L'cha Hashem, to you God, Hagadula is greatness, Hagavura is strength, is might, Hatefera is beauty, and V'hanetzach, and eternity, Vahod or victory, Vahod and glory. It's in Davening. So the Chazal, the Chachamim go through and they explain, Gedula, to you God is greatness. So I think Gedula, they say that's the work of creation. When God created the world, that's God's greatness. L'cha Hashem HaGavura, I forgot already what they said is God's Gavura. Tiferes, what's Hashem's beauty? The giving of the Torah. That's the beauty. The beauty is the Torah. That's the beauty. Vahanetzach, what's eternal? To you God is eternal. Zed Yerushalayim. That's Yerushalayim. Eternity is in Jerusalem. So now, the eternity of Jerusalem, that's why we say it's the eternal, eternal cap, capital of Israel, of the Jewish people, of Hashem. But this 
eternity of Yerushalayim, its nitzchiyas, expresses itself in two concepts, two ideas. Number one is that we're not allowed to make a home for God anywhere else. In other words, let's say we're saying, come on, the Middle East is such a hotbed. Let's sit down. We're just, it's, 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 uh, it's I don't know, two, almost two billion Muslims. Close to two billion Muslims in the world. It's a few million Jews. Half of them are anyways. Three quarters Jews are, don't, are not so crazy about the place anyways. Maybe they would be willing to move to other countries and other places. Can't we find? We'll find there's vast areas, wilderness, empty space in Australia and other places. We'll rebuild it. It took us 70 years to build uh, Israel. And we'll go. We'll have all the money. People, I'm sure everybody will contribute. Even you know, Saudi Arabia. Everybody will give a lot of money. Just get the Jews out of there. We'll go somewhere else. We'll build it up. And then we'll make Tzadir a home for God. No one is going to bother us. <laughs> if Jews, I'm sure they would bother us anyways. But let's say hypothetically, you know, we want, what do we want? We want to live in peace and in harmony. To relocate two billion Muslims, we can't do that. Uh, to relocate a few million Jews, maybe we can. So let me, maybe what some people would sit down and say it makes sense to build a base on Migdash. You want to even have a temple? for it? So we'll, we'll build somewhere else. No, it's a prohibition. It's a prohibition. God forbade it. And it's brought from a pasuk. Rambam says, let me read to you the Maimonides, the words of the here, right in the beginning of Hilchitz Beis Abchira, is the code of Jewish law. We have a law. Baruch Hashem, we have a law. Where else they would have done who knows what. Kivin Aretz, as soon as we came into the land, Rambam says, let me know, I'm sorry. Kivin Shenivna Hamigdash, this is in the first parak of laws of the Hilchitz Beis Abchira. In the third halacha, once the base of Migdosh was built in Jerusalem, all places became forbidden to build a house for God. You can't build a house for God anywhere. To offer sacrifices. There is no home for all generations only in Jerusalem. That's it. Forever and ever. For how long? Forever. Finish. There's no, nothing to negotiate. We cannot have a home for Hashem other than that little mountain. That most sensitive place. The most sensitive place in the world. You think about it. Think about it. Us bull tomorrow. Like they come, they drop a, the B, a B-52 bomber goes over there, flattens what's there. A couple of bulldozers come, knock off, clean out the whole place, and we begin construction. Can you imagine what would, be, what would be going on the next day in the world? Unbelievable. We would set off World War III. There's no doubt in the world that if we go right over there right now and we start building and we knock down, it would cross the biggest... Because <laughs> this is the most sensitive place in the entire world. And guess what? We cannot and will not have a Beis Amikdash anywhere else but on that mountaintop. Rambam says that. Ubahara Maria, if you think not only Jerusalem... We can't move a little bit away to another next hill. Let's move over one hill. No, 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 no. Dafka over there. Shanamar, whatever. And Raman brings the Pasuk. Zois menuchasi adei ad. This is my resting place forever. God says this is my resting place. Finished. Good. That's how. So that's a prohibition. That's for us. If we're going to build a home for God, there's only one piece of real estate that we can do that on. Nothing. We can imagine someone is like shopping for a house. But there's only one possible, there's no, there's no may, there's only one option. You say usually you have flexibility because you have a few options. Here there's no option. There's only one piece of real estate and we're going to buy it for whatever price. The Emma says we paid for it already, so it's ours. David Melech paid for it. But finished, fine. 
But then there's another thing. In addition to this, that we're not allowed to build a home for God anywhere else, there's another thing. The place is holy. Yerushalayim is holy. The Har HaMeriah, the, the Har HaBais is holy. And that holiness was never canceled. Even during the time of exile, the holiness of Jerusalem was never interrupted. The holiness of Jerusalem, even if it was desecrated by the Romans, even if it was desecrated by, <coughs> by the Crusaders or who knows what, later at all different times of history, or by the Muslims now, by having their mosque over there with all their Meshagas, doesn't make a difference. No matter what is going on, the holiness of Jerusalem doesn't change. So Rambam says that over here. Rambam asks a question. How come the holiness of Israel is not exactly the same today like it was? The Rambam says, you know, so, so far, you know what the halach is? Technically, we're allowed to, even though you're not allowed to offer any sacrifices anywhere else, technically, if we wouldn't have a problem with us being impure, defiled, ritually impure, because we need a red heifer, Technically, we would be allowed to go onto the mountaintop, today's days, and offer all the carbonis. Do a carbon Pesach. Ramam says, Even there's no base on English. We're allowed to offer all the sacrifices. We're allowed to eat the special sacrificial meat that you're only allowed to eat in, in, in the base Amikdash, we're allowed to eat it there on that space because the space, the holiness of the space never left. It's exactly as holy as it was when the base Amikdash was standing. For Oichlin, why? Because he says like this because when Shlomo HaMelech made it holy, he made it holy for its time and he made it holy for all of eternity. Then Maimonides asks, Rambam asks the question, why do I say so? Why is it that Yerushalayim remains holy forever? So Rambam says, because the, the rest of Israel became special because we conquered it. It's, re, it's connected to our conquest. Once the conquest was broken, we were driven out of the land. We don't have, we, we haven't taken, we don't have anymore, we don't have the kibush anymore. So then it could have changed the status of its holiness. But Yerushalayim and the Beis Amigdash is holy because of the Shekhinah. And the Shekhinah is never, ever, ever. Its holiness is because of the divine presence. Because the Shekhinah dwells there. Simply it means, because the Shekhinah dwells there. And the Rambam says, Hear these words. Rambam says, Because of the Shekhinah, The Shekhinah never ever stops. Shekhinah is not temporary. Shekhinah is forever. He's eternal. Shekhinah is the divine presence. God is forever. Okay? Fine. That's the Rambam. What's interesting for Maimonides is, is that over here the Ram, Rambam does not bring that the holiness of Yerushalayim is because the Abishta chose it and said, this is my resting place. When it, he says that regarding the fact that I'm not allowed to build the Beis Amigdash anywhere. See, I want you to understand the difference. I'm, I'm, I'm touching upon a fine point over here. There's two things over here. One is if we want to build a home for God, we have to build it in Jerusalem. But that doesn't say that there's something intrinsic in the place, that the place is holy. It's, the place can be just as mundane as anywhere else. It's just that's the place. God said, build me a house. But then there's something else. The fact that the place became a godlier place. Understand the difference? It is holy. The stones are holy. The earth is holy. It's holy real estate. It's an elevated place. That Rambam doesn't say is just because Hashem said, this is my resting place. Rambam says it's because God dwelled there. Shechina. And Shekhinah is forever. 
So that needs a little bit of understanding. Why does Rambam say that? Why not it's holy because the Abishta chose it? So Rambam does say that in the, in the laws of the Mishnah, he says the holiness is relating to God's choice. But here Rambam kind of adds some kind of, an, of a seichel. It's not, see, if you say it's a choice, it doesn't have to have any explanation. God is the boss. He said so, he said so, finished. It's, it's totally, doesn't, we don't need any rational explanations. But here Rambam is giving kind of a, a reason. What's the reason? Because Hashem, the Shekhinah is there, and Shekhinah is forever. But one can ask a simple question. Hold it. The Shekhinah was in the, Mish, in the Mishkan as well. What happened in the Mishkan, in the Midbar, when we made a, when we made a tabernacle? What was there? The Shekhinah rested there. Yet, the Arabian desert where the Jewish people wandered through, there's no holiness there today. Want to say the same thing? The Shekhinah was there, and if the Shekhinah was there, it should be holy forever. What's the difference? And Shekhinah never canceled. You might answer, you might give an answer and say, since it was a mobile home, it was moving from place to place, God never chose the real estate. He chose the, 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 the RV. He chose the RV, but he didn't chose the, the camping site. Since he didn't choose the, the, the place where they were, was like a camping site. So there was no holiness connected to the real estate. That's why it's different. But in Jerusalem, the holiness is connected to a place. So the Shekhinah, but you can't say so. Because then I'll ask you a question. How about Shiloh? The Jewish people came to Shiloh, Shiloh, and they were there for 367 years, I think. They had a temple, they had a mishkan. In one place, it wasn't a mobile home. It was a set place. And yet we know that what? That Shiloh is not holy today with the holiness. I mean, it's a nice place. It's a historical site. It's a good place when you visit Israel to go to Shiloh. You might pick up Shiloh wine and other nice things and go there and see the artifacts or whatever they found from the days of the Mishkan. It's, I'm sure you should probably behave in a special way because know that once upon a time it was holy. But there's no holiness there right now. Even though the Shekhinah was there on a piece of real estate. But here the real estate is holy. Why? More than that, by Shiloh it even says that Hashem chose Shiloh. There's a pasuk that says that Hashem... That Hashem chose a word that I, in some, I forgot already, I'm going to read it to you soon. Let me pick it up. There's a passage, a place that God chose. Chazal says Shiloh. So God chose the place. If He chose the place, should we say the same thing? Shechina, and Shechina doesn't become battle. The Shechina is forever. So therefore, we have to, and this is very, this is very special. And this is very deep, but very special. And very unique. And we must know this, and we must speak about this, and we must thunder about this, which I hope I'm going to do soon. <laughs> about it, because it's the most important. There's nothing more important in the world than the subject of tonight. Why? Let's understand essentially the difference between the Abishter choosing Shiloh and the Abishter choosing Jerusalem. Both of them were chosen. Let me read to you Psukim, Parshas Re'eh. In Pashas Re'eh it says, No, this Pasuk, sorry. In Pashas Re'eh it says, When you're going to come to the place, A place that God is going to choose from all your tribes, To place His name over there. God is going to choose a place to make His name, it's always referring to the Shekhinah. Hashem is going to choose a place to make His Shekhinah dwell in that place. Fine. That's what it says. Fine. That's the fr- and, and Chazal say the Chachamim say that's re- sages say that's referring to Shiloh. Two, a few psukim later it says 
Remember this word, one word, Bo. The place that Hashem is going to choose, Bo it. What? To make his name dwell there. Almost the same thing. But the sages say this is referring to Jerusalem. So the few psukim before that is referring to Shiloh. But this is brought into Yerushalayim. What's the difference between the two? One word, the bow. In Yerushalayim it says God chose it. In Shiloh it doesn't say He chose it. Hashem chose a place to make His name dwell there. What's the difference? Here you're getting to something very, 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 very important. There are two ways, and we spoke about this concept many times before, but I think it's very important to, to get it over here. There are two ways a person can choose something. You can choose something, whatever, you need to, make, you need to choose, you know, which car you're gonna, you, you're gonna buy, what are you gonna, you're choosing Uber or Lyft. I don't know, you make choices all day long. You know, you're gonna have, uh, um, you know, your eggs are gonna be scrambled or you're gonna make sunny side up. That's an important choice, very important choice. Right, butter or cream cheese. All my choices are food. Okay, I'm sorry. I like eating. What should I do? Okay, no. Let's think of something else. But in any case, we're constantly making choices. Okay? Most of our choices we're making is choices relating to what? Choices, uh, we choose something because of its utility. We're looking for what is the most useful for us. Okay, if I'm looking for a flight, I want to be comfortable. I want to have a good seat. I want to be comfortable. But I also don't want to pay a lot. So I'm trying to figure, and also one that's going to get me there at the right time. So you make these choices. So you're looking while you're choosing. You're choosing JetBlue because it's, because it's the most useful for you. Or whatever, whatever choice you're making. So there's a choice based on its utility. It suits you the best. That means that you don't have an inherent bond with JetBlue. You should say that this is like connected to your essence. You're choosing them because you feel like your flight with them will be the most comfortable. Yeah, I like JetBlue, okay. So that, that, that's your choice. But there's another kind of a choice. When you choose something, not because of its utility, but you choose it because you choose it. You just choose it. You want it. It's not because of you want to get something out of it. This is just a choice that you make. You want it. So that's a much deeper level of choice. Because then, it's not something about it that you're choosing. You're choosing it. Usually we call that mishagas. Mishagas? But the deepest thing is Meshagas. Now it's very hard for us to relate to this, to this. I'll try to give you a little bit of an example. When a person chooses something for no reason at all, just because they choose it, they become so connected to that thing more than anything else. Sometimes even deeper than a family. You know, people choose a team and they become a fan of a team. There's really no, no good... Now, you can say the simple reason is it's your home team. You know, if you live in Chicago, you choose the Chicago Bulls. You live over here in Los Angeles, you chose the Lakers. Or the Dodgers, football, whatever. So you make a choice. But sometimes it's not that way. A person chooses a team. They decide they're becoming a fan of the choice. It's usually a choice just because. And when you make such a choice, it becomes your identity. It becomes so much your identity, or rather they... Let's understand, the significance of that team is you. It's not the team. Because you made the choice for no reason. You identify, you completely, you and it are totally one. You completely, and therefore, if they lose, it's almost as if your existence has just been nullified. Why do people become so crazy? Fans become crazy about their team. 
They'll sell their wife and children for the, for the, for, for, but that's the way it is. It reaches them in a because of choice. Or a way, another way of understanding it. You, you go to a party and you want to sit down on a seat. Uh, you want a certain chair. So someone says, but you know what, someone, we, we designated this for someone else. So, okay. If you're stubborn, you might want to argue you like that chair because it's comfortable. Say, but you know what, we had already a prior reservation. Someone is, or you go to a restaurant and you want a certain table. They tell you, well, that table is already set aside for someone, but I want that table. Fine, a little negotiation. You'll say, okay, I, I like the table because it's next to the window, or I like the table because it's private, it's in a corner, I have like, eh, whatever, whatever my reason I want, but you know what, I can negotiate and I'll get somewhere else. I'm not going to be so happy, but I can give it up. How about a two-year-old wants a chair? They want the chair. Two-year-old, I want the chair. And mommy says, I'm sorry, you can't have this chair. I'll give you another. No, I want that chair. No, I can't give that. I want that chair. I want that chair. You, the kid is crazy, screaming. Because it has nothing to do with the chair. It's the fact that I made a choice. This is the chair I want. Go explain. Doesn't, everything is irrelevant. Because the significance of the chair is not the chair. It's the fact that I chose. It's me. If you're not giving me the chair, you just denied me. You, my mommy, have just erased my existence. Because I and the chair are one. Because this is my chair. Why? Because I just made the choice I want that chair. You see, a choice that's irrational, or it's just because you're choosing it, is, is related much deeper to your essence. The only example we can find that people can kind of excuse, usually by a regular person, you say you're stubborn, you're crazy, you belong in, a, in an asylum. But the only thing, I, the, only, the only example I can find in adults where we have things like that is fans who choose to be, choose their team, they become a fan of something, or people have hobbies. Absolute stupid things that they choose to like make important in their life. You know, this guy is—it's not necessarily because they have value; it's because they chose this kind of car or this kind of little thing. This whatever they become a collector of it, and then this thing is like their most because it's their identity. Its significance is not in its money value. Its significance is not in any other quality of it. Just it, and that's what I want. That's a real choice. Yerushalayim was chosen, Shiloh was chosen because it was the best suited place in the land of Israel for God to dwell the Shekhinah. If he needed a place that would, for whatever reason, maybe the sanctity of Yosef, this was the descendant of Yosef, <coughs> it had all the qualities for Hashem to choose Shiloh, for it to be the most suitable place. So when Hashem chooses Shiloh, it's a choice based on utility. It's usefulness. Therefore, once what? Once we used it for whatever we need, it served its purpose, you can discard it and, and, and get rid of it. I mean, not get rid of it, but you can move away because you're not choosing it because you're choosing it. You're choosing it because of something. You got what you needed out of something and goodbye. <coughs> but, when you, but when the Abishter chose Yerushalayim, the Abishter chose Jerusalem because he chose Jerusalem. God chose Jerusalem because this is from the entire universe, from the entire cosmos. Spiritual worlds, spiritual worlds, endless, endless spiritual worlds. The universe is so infinite, so unbelievably great, the galaxies and everything. In it, there's a tiny little speck of a 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 speck. It's not even an infinitesimally small speck called planet Earth. On planet Earth, there's so many countries, so much place, oceans, Pacific, Atlantic, vast continents. You have huge continents of Asia and Africa, Europe, and North America, everything. God takes his finger, puts his point finger down 
on a little tiny area called Yerushalayim and says, this is mine. Why? Just because. This is my hill. This is mine. That's a whole different story. Look at the Pasuk. In, in, Parsha, in the first Pasuk regarding Shiloh, it says, the place that God will choose, from all your tribes, for a purpose. I choose it to put my name over there. That's Shiloh. And that's why it also says to put my name, not to dwell my name. Because dwell means permanent. And when you're choosing something because of its utility, it's not necessarily permanent. Because if you might find a more suitable place, you'll choose somewhere else. It can change because you're using it for something else. When it comes, however, to, 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 to the Beis Amigdash, to Yerushalayim, it says, what? what's the Pasuk? In Yerushalayim, it says, In Yerushalayim, Hashem chose it, not something about it. He chose it. That very physical space is God's choice. Now, let's understand something. Now that Yerushalayim is God's choice, He chose it. He dwells his Shekhinah there. Why? Because once God has a place, that this is his place, where then is he gonna where then is he gonna manifest the Shekhinah? In my place. That's my home. It's not like because the Shekhinah dwells there, that's why it's 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 holy. It's the opposite. Because Hashem chose that place, that's the reason why he manifests the Shekhinah over there. And that's why we say when Rambam says that the place is holy, the holiness of Yerushalayim is eternal and it can never stop because the Shekhinah is eternal, he means one thing. What Rambam means is that Yerushalayim is different than every other place. Because since Yerushalayim, (coughs) the Ebershter chose the place, that this is mine, so the identity of Jerusalem is God. It's like we say, I mentioned earlier, the value is no more it. It loses, it's almost like it becomes an extension of you. A thing you choose because you made it yours, then it's, it's almost like you're extended into it. God himself and Jerusalem, now Hashem, Yerushalayim becomes completely integrated, assimilated into the Shekhinah. It and the Shekhinah become one because... The Shekhinah, because Hashem chose it as its place, as His place. With an absolute choice. So it's eternal. Now we'll understand why King David is a very, very important component over here. Because over here you're going to get now to a major, major problem. According to all of this, (coughs) the significance of Yerushalayim is not inherent in Yerushalayim. Its value is not because of qualities that it has. Its value is one thing, so God chose. It's like when the little kid chooses that chair, it's not because, okay, give me reasons why you choose that chair. The kid is stubborn, he said, I want this chair, for no reason at all. So God says, I want Jerusalem. But then, the significance of the chair, as we said earlier, is, is it in the chair, or is the significance of the chair in the child? The significance in the chair is that it's the child's choice. So it's the child, not the chair. So according to this, then the holiness and the, sp- the power of Jerusalem by, being, by virtue of it being God's choice is all in God, not in Yerushalayim. But when we're saying that Yerushalayim becomes holy, Yerushalayim becomes holy. 
its holiness, it means that Yerushalayim is of a godly quality. How does Yerushalayim on its own become of godly quality? For that, Yerushalayim has to kind of acquire this choice, that this choice becomes Yerushalayim's. It becomes the identity of Jerusalem that it's God's choice, and that itself is felt, that itself becomes, is, is internalized in the streets of Jerusalem, in the, in the very, very, very stones of Yerushalayim, in the very material substances that make up the city of Yerushalayim, and every plant, and every tree, and every bush, and every, and, and, and every stone of Yerushalayim, that its, that its holiness has now, it, is, it has absorbed this choice. Again, whenever we say, when someone is choosing something with real choice, again, not for its utility, that means I'm not, the significance of that object is not it, it's the chooser, not the chosen. But if that very idea that it's the chooser, not the chosen, says that the quality is not in it, the quality is in the chooser, in the fact that he chose it. But here here we're trying to say that Yerushalayim is holy, that means Yerushalayim has to now acquire this quality, which is acquire, which really means acquiring God. Is that what I'm saying? That the Abishter, that Yerushalayim, but here, but here you have a problem. A material city, a physical city, is physical. If it's physical, all matter, by its very definition, disintegrates. Matter is not eternal. Every every physical object has erosion. Everything disintegrates. Physicality can't, by its definition, be eternal. So if you're saying God will keep it, making it eternal because God is choosing it, that doesn't mean Yerushalayim's holiness is eternal. It means that Hashem is, is, is continuously giving it eternity and holiness from outside of Yerushalayim that He's bestowing upon it. But we're saying that Yerushalayim is holy. Yerushalayim is eternal. How could Yerushalayim be, be eternal if physicality, a stone, can't be eternal? For, see, here's the problem. God is eternal, that I have. And since Hashem chooses it, so therefore the eternity of Hashem is reflected on the city. But it's not, it doesn't belong to the cities. It's not the city's holiness. It's God's holiness. In order for Yerushalayim to be a holy entity... For that, for it to acquire it, for that we need King David. And the reason for that is just one very fine point, and we're going we're gonna to wrap it up. And for that is as follows. When the Abishter chooses, by King David we also see a similar thing. That Malchus based David, Rambam says, will never ever change. Once Hashem chose the family of King David, Rambam says, this family is chosen to be the kings of the Jewish people, forever and ever and ever and ever. They are the chosen ones. And even if they're going to sin, and they're going to be unworthy for kingship, and the kingship is going to be taken away from them, Rambam says it's only a temporary thing. Hashem says in Tehillim, Karati bris libchiri, I made a covenant with my chosen one. And I've made such a covenant with my chosen one, that no matter what, even if you're going to desecrate my name, and even if it, I'm, I'm going to punish you, I'm going to, I'm going to cleanse you, I'm going to purify me, but I'm never ever going to take away my promise I made to King David. Why? Because King David is the chosen one. Hashem chose him with the same aspect of choice like he chose Yerushalayim. Same kind of choice for no reason. Not for a utility, not for a purpose, not because God wants to get something out of him, but the Abishta chose David HaMelech to be, to manifest God's kingship in this world. That through David HaMelech, the Abishta, 
exercises God's sovereignty, Davin HaMelech is God's representative of kingship in this world, that is not for a reason. That's the reason why. It's the difference between all the previous kings. Shaul HaMelech was chosen because he was the most suitable for the job. He had the qualifications. He had the best resume. Other tzaddikim were chosen because they had a good resume. King David was chosen because God chose him. A choice that has not based on any logic and any reason. But, you know, but what's the quality of King David over Jerusalem? So they both share the same thing. Hashem chooses Jerusalem for no reason, and Hashem chooses David Melech for no particular reason, just because he chose him. But there's a difference. King David is a Jew. He's a holy neshama. He's a chelek, a lekaim He has a little piece of God from above. So because he's a Jew and he's a chelek, a lekaim he's able to internalize that choice. And that choice shouldn't just be a choice on God's part that remains outside of him, because he's a human being that is essentially chas v'sholem, destined to die. He's a limited being that's only finite. God is choosing him, and therefore God is eternalizing him. No, 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 no. Then it would mean that he is an ordinary human being. There's some external force that's keeping him as king forever and ever. That's not what it is. Davon HaMelech himself acquires that choice. And he becomes the chosen one. And therefore he identifies with God. He becomes as eternal as God is. David Melech Yisrael Chai V'Kayim. He's living with God's eternity. And that eternity is assimilated in his being. In who he is. Why? Yerushalayim can't receive that. David is able to receive that. Because David is an Hashem. And Hashem is a piece of God. So it's able to receive that eternity. It's able to absorb it. It's able to internalize it. Now, once David HaMelech is able to eternalize that eternal choice, now David HaMelech can bring that to Yerushalayim as well. Now, essentially Hashem chooses Yerushalayim, but the choice remains, so to speak, outside of it, not absorbed in it. What happens to Yerushalayim now? When it, once Yerushalayim becomes the city of David HaMelech, I think there's a deep idea. Once Yerushalayim, because what, what, what's, what's the connection with Yerushalayim and David? David HaMelech's kingship is Yerushalayim. As he said earlier, his name, Ir David, the city of David. David HaMelech was not really king over the whole... Ju- David HaMelech, you know, was appointed king in, in Hebron. He was, and he was king for seven years in Hebron, but he was only king on some of the Jewish people. He wasn't king over all of Israel until, excuse me, until he came to Yerushalayim. More than that. Rambam says that in Jerusalem, you can never ever appoint another king. Even after David HaMelech, they sometimes appointed temporarily other, other kings. Other kings were temporarily sometimes appointed. But Rambam says an interesting thing. You can appoint them everywhere else, but chas v'shalem, don't dare to appoint another king in Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim is King David's kingdom. It's his empire, it's his capital. Once Yerushalayim is now David HaMelech's city, so now Yerushalayim's, the context of Yerushalayim changes. Yerushalayim is not just a place on the map, a physical location, which God chose. No, Yerushalayim now has changed. It became what? The, it's, it's, the, it's, it's, the, it's the city in which David HaMelech rules. So it's his capital. 
So it's almost like Yerushalayim now got a neshama. What's the neshama? The neshama is David HaMelech. If the neshama of Jerusalem is now David HaMelech, so Yerushalayim becomes like a body to the neshama. And once Yerushalayim becomes the body to David HaMelech's neshama, to his kingship, the body, it becomes the context to what? To David's kingship. Oh, so now Yerushalayim is not physical anymore. Yerushalayim is no more just physical matter, a place, a physical location, space, a matter in this world. Yerushalayim has a different identity now. It's part of David HaMelech's kingship. Oh, once it's part of... And David HaMelech is able to receive, internalize this godly choice via David. Yerushalayim too can internalize that godly choice that Yerushalayim should also become eternal. It's a very, very... It's a deep concept, but it's something very, very rich. That's why the two of them are intrinsically unified. And that's what it means when the Zohar says... God chooses Yerushalayim and he couldn't choose Yerushalayim until he called, chose David. It doesn't mean that Hashem is choosing Yerushalayim because of David HaMelech. Hashem is choosing Jerusalem for no reason at all. This is his place. But without David HaMelech, we don't have... Yerushalayim remains limited and finite. With David HaMelech, Yerushalayim becomes almost like an extension of David HaMelech's neshama. Because David HaMelech is a king. A king that God has chosen. And therefore he completely is, is... And he assimilates the eternity of Hashem because he is God's choice and he's an Hashem. And he's therefore a part of God and he can receive that infinity and that emes, that choice, and he can reveal it even in the streets of Jerusalem. Bottom line out of all of this, what comes out? What comes out over here is... That we're living in very, 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 very powerful times. We're living mamish. We don't even we don't, we don't even realize. We're living mamish at the at, at the last second, second, seconds. And right now, as we're talking, I know negotiations are being spoken by people who think they have authority. And we have to realize and know that no matter one thing, we give Trump, President Trump, a lot of credit. He announced Yerushalayim as the Jewish city. But as long as he's facilitating God's will by that announcement. And the same, announce, the same thing we say to President Trump as we say to Bibi Netanyahu and we say to the UN and we say to the entire world. You can take Paris, Berlin, London, Moscow. What's the name of that big uh, city in, in, the, in the Arab Emirates? They're famous. Dubai. You can take Dubai. You can take all the cities in the world and you can decide and make and do and split it and chop it and make it and do with it what you want. But there is one place in the world that you can, don't have any say whatsoever, whatsoever, whatsoever. And it's clear to me without any shadow of a doubt. I'm, like, I'm not a Navi, but it would, it's based on what the Zohar says in another place that that, that when people begin to, in the end of days, right before Mashiach comes, the 70 nations are going to lay siege on Jerusalem. And, it's, it, 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 and, and, and I think it, it happened in the last days of the Obama administration by that Paris, when they got together, 70 nations in Paris. And they, and they were on a crusade to rip Jerusalem away and to split it. The Zohar says that when they're going to do that, Hashem is going to laugh. God is going to laugh. And he's going to think, you're going to mess with my city? 
or you're going to mess with my Mashiach, you're going to mess with my anointed one, I'm going to show you. To me it's clear that the only reason we saw the most stunning thing, one of the most stunning things in, in history of the United States, an election that was won by a person that had absolutely no, no, um, no, uh, um, uh, Credentials, if we should say, to be the president of the United States and make it up to the top when there were people qualified way above him. And the Abish that turned it all over on its head is because they were messing with Jerusalem. What we're seeing over here is the exact results of God saying, don't mess with Jerusalem. And therefore, we over here, maybe we might be a small little shul in this building, but we announced to the president of the United States, if you're thinking that to go down in history, you're going to make the ultimate peace deal, and you're going to, going to give away who you think you have a bit, then the same way you went up, you're going to go right down. And it's with you, and it's with Netanyahu, and it's with all of them. They cannot mess with Jerusalem. There's three things that are eternal. The Jewish people, the kingdom of David HaMelech, and Yerushalayim, Irak Kodesh. And that city is going to be untouchable and it's going to remain and it's going to be forever and ever the ultimate home of God. There's nothing in the world more important. There's nothing that reaches deeper in God's heart than what God chose for no reason at all. And what then Hashem? Hashem is a fan of Yerushalayim and you better believe He's going to fight for it. And when God is going to fight, He's going to win. Hashem is a fan of Jerusalem. Hashem is a fan of King David. And the Abish is a fan of the Jewish people. These are, these are deep, deep choices. And these are things that are absolutely non-negotiable. And we Yidden need to know that, declare that, and people have to know that we Jews are proud to say that. And without flinching, without a tiny bit of... Keep your hands off Yerushalayim if you know what's good for you. Be on God's side. Because the Abishter is about, without any shadow of a doubt, to reveal His light, His truth... His, his power in the world, and you don't want to be chas v'shalom on the wrong side. I believe 100% that the United States has literally saved, based on what happened till now. I'm not a Navi, I don't know what's going to be tomorrow. I don't know what kind of concoctions the government might, you know, after all, you know, the president is not a tzaddik. I believe that when I'm speaking till now, great praise on him is because I see in him the hand of God. That's all. Nothing to do with him. It, the hand of God coming through him. And therefore, it's, with the, 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 it's very, very important for people to understand. And that is like clear to me that the, ver- that the United States literally, President Trump saved you, the United States from ultimate doom. Because God forbid if, Jeruz- if the United States would have been on the wrong side of the fence when Mashiach comes, if we would have been under Chas V'Shalom, the other president who would have continued in the previous administration's way in selling Jerusalem to the Arabs, then forever and ever, for all of eternity, we the Jewish, we the United States, the Americans, would have been doomed forever. It's unbelievable luck, orchestrated by God, that the most pro-Jerusalem president has come. But again, as long as he sticks with Yerushalayim. It's unbelievable to, to appreciate that. And to understand that these are the most important things. The wall, Obamacare, this and that, these are all very, very nice things. They're all temporary issues. They might be very important issues, but they're temporary issues in a finite existence. It's all part of the relativity of time and space. But that one little hilltop goes infinitely past 
all the boundaries of time and space. It's as deep and as true as God is. It's absolute. And therefore, don't mess. So Guatemala, who's choosing to put its embassy and recognize Yerushalayim. The United States, these people are making their ultimate choice that they are going to be proud of for all of eternity. Anybody, all the nations who end up on the other side are going to live in eternal shame because they mess with God's personal home. This is, Hashem says, the whole world is yours, but there's one small little hilltop that's mine, and no trespassing, that's my home. But as Hashem, momentarily, we will see that choice fully realized, fully revealed, and the Shekhinah will reveal itself in its home, and we, all the Jewish people, will back to Israel and live in the presence of Hashem in His home with infinite joy and eternal happiness. May it be now. Ya 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 ma ya ya ma